the mouth speaks. And when we praise him, we're praising him from the bottom of our hearts. That we love him and we exalt him. And we lift our voice to him. So, Father, we're lifting up holy hands. What's the significance of lifting up hands? It's like a little child that can do nothing without his parents and he lifts his hands up. I need help. And when we lift up our hands, we're like we are these children on earth and we need our Heavenly Father to help us. We can do nothing without him. This world will offer a lot of things, but they can't never offer salvation, never offer the kingdom of God, never offers the adoption of sons and daughters. But we lift up hands because we know we've been adopted, amen? We know we've been set free, amen? We know that we are children of God, not born by natural means, but by the will of the Father through the Spirit, through faith. We accept tonight, Father, what Christ has done for us on that cross. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to stand before you because of the blood of Jesus. That we can humble our hearts and learn from you. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Amen. I thank you, Lord, for tonight. I thank you that your name is exalted. That name is above every name. That name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven to call on to be saved. There's no other name under heaven to call on to be healed. There's no other name under heaven to call on to be fed. So we thank you, Father. As children, you're our Lord. You're our King. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. We honor you, not just with our lips, Lord, but with our hearts. We give you all the praise. We thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. The kids can go to the room. Off you go, kids. If you're new here, welcome. There's a kids program. They have to be taller trained. Yeah, the kids have to be taller trained, not the parents. Um. Hallelujah. Well, thanks for coming out this cold Sunday afternoon. It's actually quite a pleasant day. Um, it's an honor to be with you. There's no announcements here. Just Guys, just be wary that there's another service going on. Most people know they're a part of. There's another service downstairs, and we finish before them. So if we, when we leave, we can just keep the noise down. That's it, just out of respect for them. It does travel through the building. Um, so we want you to fellowship. We want you to, we don't have to rush out. We don't have to leave quickly, but as we leave outside, it does echo. And uh, most people in the room are ethnics and they're pretty loud. So, so we make a pretty loud noise on the way out. Everyone doing good? Amen. Let's rebuke that spirit of influenza or flus or all these little things that are going around. So we come against that in Jesus' name. Let the blood of Jesus wash it away. Amen. So let's shake off today and let's uh, 
Um, I've been struggling all week, but praise God, I'm here fighting fit. So if I start coughing, don't panic. You know, so if I start coughing, everyone just leaves the room. You know? Today I'm going to talk about, I'm going to do a series over the next few weeks about the parables of Jesus. And it's been exciting me a lot because there's some parables there that we read, that we, we grew up with as kids and, and we read and we just sort of, we know it, you know, uh, back to front or like the back of our hands. But God's been opening up some things to me um, in regards to this area and I thought I'd love to share it. And um, so I thought tonight we'd start today with the parables um, one of the parables is the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to explain a little bit because Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in, in actual fact. He spoke, he told stories. Um, he, he spoke in allegory, which is a deeper spiritual meaning. And he taught in many different ways. He was the greatest teacher on earth. Amen. And, um, and he wanted to com communicate a message. Jesus never sold anything. Jesus never tried to entice you. Jesus never, he just spoke truth. Jesus is a man of truth. Um, some things that uh, we would do, that we do do, is contrary to the, to the character of Jesus. Um, whether we know it or, or don't know it, um, Jesus always was teaching, because he's the great teacher, um, and bringing godly and kingdom principles. He never wavered. He never watered it down. He never attacked he did it in a sense, uh, in a way when Jesus spoke, he was always bringing truth. The message is always, you're always going to get truth from Jesus. Amen? Then he says, I'm going to go and I'll send you the comforter, the parakletos in the Greek. Parakletos means someone parallel to me or just like me, the Holy Spirit. And who was he? He was the spirit of truth who guides us into all truth. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan story here. And, and the word parable, it's, it's defined, a parable, the definition of it is simply a story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the gospel. The word, the meaning parable is from the Latin word parabola, which means comparison, likeness, or parallel. And Jesus was speaking of this a lot. And the disciples one day in Matthew, it says in, in uh, Matthew 13, 10, 17, and they say to him, why do you speak in these parables? Why don't you just speak plainly so everyone can hear you? And they asked him this. Uh, and he came to him and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Next verse. He answered them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but not to them has not been given. Now, you would think there, if you stop right there, you've got to read through. But if you stop right there, you think, well, Jesus is hiding this mystery from certain people and giving it to other people. True? That's what he just said. This, the, the mysteries of the kingdom is for you, but not for them. But they weren't even understanding what he was saying. So what he was trying to tell us here is that, if you keep reading, well, let's go to the next verse, but we might as well keep going. Whoever has to him more will be given, and he will, he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even that will be taken away from him. Now, he's at the moment speaking in front of the Pharisees, and he's telling these stories in, 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 in a parable. And he said, but what do you do? Just speak plainly to us. You know, I wrote down here, a lot of the times Jesus, when he spoke to parables, he didn't speak it to hide it from someone. He's either hiding it from you or he's hiding it for you. And sometimes we have to search a matter out. We have to spend time with God and we have to spend time in the word and spend time with the Holy Spirit. And when we get that treasure, who's going to take that off you? 
Who's had a revelation of Jesus in this room? Not your mum's definition or your dad's definition, your grandmother's definition or your priest's definition or your pastor's definition or your school teacher's definition. I'm talking about who he has had a hold of a revelation of Jesus. Three people, four, five, can I hear six, six, seven, 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 eight, eight, nine, ten. Should be everybody. Because once you get a hold of Jesus, there's, there's something in your life, somewhere in your world that God has touched your life and you've got that revelation. And it's like, mate, I, that's been there all my life and I've never known it. You know, it's whether you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, which is the greatest gift of all. But what about when you've been, I've heard of stories where people have been sick for 60 years and God heals them 61 years later. And they said, do you mean that the healing was for me all along and I never believed it? Or, you know, a blessing came or a mindset that, you know, you, you walk in this mindset. And the saddest thing for me is Christians, they come and have an impact. God touches their life. They receive a Holy Spirit, that. And then they walk around the mountain for 40 years. They come back and they get another touch. Oh, Jesus is the best. And they walk around the mountain for another 40 years. And it's just go around the merry-go-round. It's sad. But there's a place in God when he touches our life. We remember that time. No one can take it off you. I remember this guy told me once, he said, no one can sh- no one steal your testimony. I thought, wow, that's so true. What happened to me, it's going to be 20 years this September, no one, no theologian, no uh, doctorate of, of, of theology, no uh, intelligent uh, scientist, no, no one can steal that from me because I was there with the Lord and it hit me and it's never going to change, amen? So that's the revelation that God's given me, a mystery in the kingdom. So the parable is there. To, 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 to explain a truth, some are easier than others. Some have got them wrong. And this one we're going to talk about tonight is the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is pretty common. If I was to say to you, this guy's a Good Samaritan, what was the first thing you would say? Anyone? If someone's called the Good Samaritan, what is it? A good man. Someone's done something for someone he didn't know or you know, he went out of his way to do something good. And that's all great because that's what we're meant to do. And that's the very common theme. It's just like the prodigal son, you know? Very common parable. But tonight we're going to look at it, and I've shared this in, in our circles before, but tonight I want to share you something, that Jesus doesn't just say something for the sake of saying it. So we're going we're to talk about this. It's interesting to know that I often say, God's not hiding something from you. He's hiding something for you. If you keep reading here, he says, uh, you know, they don't want to hear. They reject me. They reject my word. So I speak in parables and it's hidden from them because they're not willing to search it out. But for you, you search out a matter and you find out the truth. Amen? There's a lot of times that we, we can see Jesus say, why did Jesus say that? Why didn't he just say this or why didn't he say that? I'm going to touch on that a little bit. So let's go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. Are you still with me? All right, here we go. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and with, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he was wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down to Jeru from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road and he saw him and he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite. A Levite is a teacher of the law, a scribe. When he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to whom fell among the thieves? He said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. It's not a very hard story to, to, to keep up with, is it, and read. It's pretty simple. But I want to address a couple of things here. This teacher of the law was, was, in a sense, trying to justify himself or trap Jesus. And he's saying he's an expert of the law. It's, he was an expert of the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. And he says to him, how do I get eternal life? How do I inherit it? Now, we know that we are saved by grace and not by works. Amen? We know the law can't save us. Yet God, Jesus used the law. And we know he, said, he uses it many a times here. We know that the law was a schoolmaster. It was a mirror of who we are. And then when we look and compare ourselves by the law to, the, to who God is, we fall very short. Jesus says, if you've broken one, you've broken them all. True? So he, but he's using the law. Because he, the, the, the scribe's understanding was he was trying to trick Jesus. Because Jesus was preaching a, a, a message that was very con uh, controversial in their day. And very, it seemed like it was con contradicting what they knew and what they were taught in the synagogue. So when he answers him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as, you, as yourself, that's in the first law in the Ten Commandments. Because who's my neighbor to justify himself? Then he goes on and talks about that story. You've got to understand something that Jerusalem is always a type and a shadow of the promised land. Well, it is the promised land back in those days. Jerusalem was the, where they crossed over the Jordan to Jerusalem and they set up the temple. So Jerusalem was the place to be. But Jericho, on the other hand, if you look at the Old Testament, Jer Jericho was a place of, it was cursed. The first place they conquered after getting out of the wilderness was Jericho. They walked around it quietly, the walls came down. Joshua pronounced a curse on Jericho, said anyone who builds it will be cursed. Well, was that 500 years later before they rebuilt it and that people got cursed and died? But the Jericho of Jesus' day wasn't actually in the old Jericho exact spot. It was a little bit um, away from that area. There was a thriving city called Jericho. And here it says the man was leaving Jerusalem and, 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 and leaving Jerusalem and going down to Jericho. Then he fell among thieves. And there's always a picture that they used to call Jericho the, the place of fragrance or the place they used to worship fragrance. They used to worship the moon. It's also called the city of palms. It was, it was lush there. Jericho was a, a thriving city by that time. And people would come from the north, the south, the east, the west. They would just congregate there. So there was a lot of activity going on there. 
And this man was leaving Jerusalem. It's a, it's a picture here when you have a look at, if, if it's a picture here where you see that this man's in Jericho. He goes, first of all, in the spiritual sense, Jesus is trying to show us a point here. This man left Jerusalem and going to Jericho. See, there was something, he's leaving a type of a promise, safety, religious setting where everything was un, in order. But see, the problem you had was Jerusalem was very religious. Even when they were occupied by the Romans, those Pharisees and the Sadducees and that, they were very strict and they were condemning and judging people all the time. And he, he was going down to Jericho, then he fell among thieves. The Bible says here that they stripped him of his clothes and they left him naked and half dead. It doesn't even say it robbed him. It just says they stripped him. And he was left there. And then the priest comes along. Now, who knows the priest's job in the temple? What was the priest's job? Offer sacrifice. He was there to go into the temple. The high priest would go into the holy of holy on behalf of the people. So the priest's job was to minister to God on behalf of the people. True? The Levite or the, or the lawyer's job was to study the law and refer that back to the people to know how to operate so they don't break the law. Whether it's a dietary law, uh, whether you're breaking the Sabbath laws, or every law that Moses was given them. So there was a moral law, there was a sacrificial law, there was a spiritual law. And these two men were held in high regard in Jerusalem. But now you've got a man who's been beaten up. Now we don't know the reason why he got beaten up. We don't know if the guy was in sin, it doesn't say. We don't know if the guy was running away from someone, it doesn't say. He, we don't know that if they just picked on him, he was an innocent bystander, or this guy was a crook and he got beaten up. The Bible doesn't say that, but what it does say, he got beaten up and stripped and left half dead. What happened to Adam in the garden when, he, when the Bible says, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die? Did he die? Did he die? He didn't die physically. But then the Bible says when the minute he ate, he was naked. In other words, the devil came and stripped them of their authority in the garden and left him naked. He was alive, but he was dead. He was like this man, alive, but half dead. Can you get the picture here? The promised land, Eden. He comes out of it. Now he's falling among thieves. The devil will only come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Amen? If you want to leave God's presence, Jerusalem, and go into Jericho, because Jericho is pumping. There's a lot going on. There's businesses going on. There's stuff happening. You know, there's opportunities there. We can live there. It's a great city. There's a lot going on. And the wall's enticing you. But all you're going to do is fall among thieves. They're going to ship you and leave you half dead. And he's on the side of the road now. We don't know if that man was complaining that, God, why did you do this to me? We don't know. We don't know if the guy deserved it. We don't, we don't know. But all we know is that the priest came down the road and then the, the, the teacher of the law came down the road. The priest represents serving God through the people, religion, and the law represents, the scribe represents the law. True? They both came down and they saw him and they walked by him. But now here, we'll go back to those two fellows. But here comes a good Samaritan. Now you've got to remember, Jesus is telling this parable. There's a treasure behind this because they hated Samaritans. And Jesus is telling this story to Jews, especially the Pharisees. Because Samaritans, when the kingdom was split in the Old Testament, a lot of the Jews kept their order. They kept, you know, they didn't marry outside their bloodline. They didn't, didn't worship false gods. But Samaritans, they went the full hog. They, 
ended up marrying different women and worshipping false gods. They ended up even giving their kids up to sacrifice even in the Old Testament. And when the temple was rebuilt, they tried to come back and they were considered outcasts or half-castes. They weren't full blood anymore. You get the picture. Now, Jesus is stirring the pot here. He's saying, oh, you want to know who your neighbor is, dear? If you were loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, you would be loving that Samaritan because you don't love the Lord your God. That's why you're asking me, who's my neighbor? You see, if the teachers of the law in those days, and I'm going to pick on them, but I'm going to pick on us. If we can get so religious where we think we're worshiping God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and we forget about our neighbor, we haven't worshiped God at all. Yet the position of the priest was to offer sacrifices and, and intercede for the people. And yet they're happy to walk past a guy who's been beaten up. Uh, none of my business. And the teacher of the law comes along, oh, none of my business. Yet these two are meant to know the law back to front. They've been given the keys to the kingdom. Hearing me, they've been given the keys to the kingdom. And Jesus says, you guys have the keys to heaven. You don't go in and you don't let anyone else in. They blocked the miracle power of God for salvation for the kingdom. Why? Because they were locking it up for themselves because they were crooked at heart. They were envious. They were jealous. They were money hungry. They were all these things. Yet they wanted the question. See, when Jesus asked them, what's the law? How do you read the law? And he told him exactly. He told him the truth. Their hearts are so far away from him. And here comes the good Samaritan. I love this. If he goes, can we go back to that story? There's more one that doesn't have the verses on here. Keep going down to verse 28, I think. I'll keep going a bit further down. Till you get to um, leaving him half dead. He fell among thieves. What's the Bible say the devil is? He's a thief. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. He's been a, a liar from the beginning and he's a thief. He says here that who stripped him of his clothing. What happened to Adam in the garden? He stripped him of his glory. And what did Adam think he was as soon as that happened? He was naked. Half dead. He's alive, but he's dead. Now the priest, we just spoke about the priest. Go to the next verse. And I went after that. Now the Samaritan had compassion. Go to the next verse. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Just leave it there. The Samaritan understood something. The Bible talks about that the Samaritan, first thing he did was, he didn't ask questions. He says, he went and bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine and set him on his own animal, so his donkey, and brought him to the inn and took care of him. If you understand what the, Jesus was trying to say here, because Jesus had made a point to these guys. Everything the Pharisees hated, Jesus mentioned. Samaritans, we don't like them. Jericho, peasants, leaving Jerusalem. But what was the priest and the Levite doing going down towards Jericho anyway? And he was saying, do you do what you tell others to do? There was in Matthew, it says that the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses. In other words, they sit in the seat of judgment. But if you read it in the Greek, it doesn't say that God set them there. They sat themselves in the seat of Moses. In other words, they wanted to become everyone's judge. 
See, but remember, he says, you don't lift a finger to help anyone. You put so much bondages on people and never lift one finger to help anybody. Yet this Samaritan is showing you something that I'm lifting the burden of this man and I'm putting him, I'm carrying his burden by putting him on my own animal. You know, this is a picture of Jesus here. But before I jump that gun, I want to share something with you. If you go to Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Now, there's a certain ruler who asks, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that the same question as the scribe in the Good Samaritan story? Same question. Next verse. What do you call me good? No one is good but one that is in that is God. Next verse. I know I didn't go that far, but I feel led to go this way. You know that the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, and honor your mother and father. You know what he says here? I've kept them since my youth. You know these commandments here that he mentioned. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Ten Commandments on two tablets? And they're not five and five because God likes even numbers. Or he couldn't put them all on one tablet. Or they were too heavy. They're broken into two orders. What's the Ten Commandments? Love the Lord your God. The other one was um, do not make engraving images. The other one was keep the Sabbath. And there was one before that. Do not take his name in vain. Four. The next one is, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. The first one is about God, love the Lord your God. And the set, next six is about your neighbor. Can you see that? We've got this idea because we just do this as growing up and traditions. We have 10 and 10. But Jesus never changed any of this. Remember Jesus said to you guys, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. In these two, you keep the whole law. These two. But we know this 10 commandments, true? Here, the scribe asked him, how do I get eternal life? He reads the first commandment. He goes, good, if you do that, you'll live. And then he's trying to be a, a smart aleck. Here, he's a sincere guy. He's asking a sincere question. The same question. And he says, all this, and he says, I've kept this. He goes, but there's one thing you do lack. You know this story. You won't have to go through it. He goes, you do one thing. Look what he says. Now, I've read this a million times, but I never saw it like this. He didn't say give everything to the poor. He says, sell everything you have and distribute to the poor. And then come and follow me. In other words, go use the talent God gave you, sell it, make an earn on it, and then distribute it, and then follow me. Jesus didn't say, give it to me. He says, give it to the poor. And the man turned around, and he was very sad because he had many riches. Same two questions. He came with them in a different way, but all came out of the law. What was happening here? God was addressing the person's heart. And God, to this day, addresses our heart. Where is your heart for God right now? Some people who will say give, some people say stop giving. Some people say work, some people say stop working. Some people say help this guy, someone says let them help. Whatever God tells you to do. But where is your heart for God? Because if they both knew how to heart for God, see in this, in this uh, rich young ruler, he didn't go to the first commandment. He went to the ones that he was keeping. He went to the ones that he was proud of. Because he was rich and he was young. So he must have been blessed. In those days, if you're rich, and you're young, and you're blessed, that you're righteous before God. He says, well, get all that righteousness that you think you have and give it away, sell it and give it away, and follow me. He didn't even tell the guy who's demon-possessed. Remember the guy in the, in the, in the grave site? Demon-possessed, he'd break the chains and that, and he got healed. He didn't even tell him to follow him, but he told this guy to follow him. 
And he walked away very sorrowful. And the next verse here, if you go to uh, 18, uh, Luke 18.35, what interests me, it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. Now, Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler and he's going through Jericho. Isn't it interesting that the man was leaving Jerusalem and got beaten up and now he's half dead on the way to Jericho. Jesus is on his way to Jericho here. Let's go to Luke 19.1. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. The next person he sees is Zacchaeus. Who remembers Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a short man. And he wanted to see Jesus. He was a tax collector. So he climbed up a tree to see Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to eat at your house today. He goes and eats at his house. And he says, doesn't know, we don't, there's nothing recorded as to what he said. But he said, Lord, everything I've ever stolen, I'm going to give back. And if I've manipulated anyone, I'm going to give it back four times. And he says, this man today is a child of Abraham. His salvation has come to his house. He goes, for this reason, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. And this has happened all in Jericho. And the Lord was showing me a picture here that everything and every story and everything that's happening here, especially with the parable, that this good Samaritan wasn't just a Samaritan who came and did a good deed for someone. This was Jesus who was an outcast. He wasn't fully Jewish in their mind. They knew the story that his mother fell pregnant without him. He was like a Samaritan. He was considered an outcast. And yet, here comes this man beaten up on the side of the road. It's interesting to know that the priest did a runner. And the guy in the law did a runner. Listen to me. Religion cannot save you. Priests cannot save you. The law cannot save you. They're all pointing you to Jesus, the good Samaritan. He is your true good Samaritan. It's not about what I do for people. I can help the poor and go to hell. But if I don't have Jesus being set by him and fixed by him and bandaged by him. You see, on the road of Jericho, there was a blind man. He was half alive, but he was dead. Just like that man in the story. Zacchaeus, he was alive, but he was dead. He knew what true salvation was. Jesus had to come to his house. He knew true repentance means, I'll do whatever you want, God. Why did he say he was a child of Abraham? Because that's what Abraham would have done. He wasn't saying the law can save you. He wasn't saying that if you keep the Ten Commandments, it can save you. He was saying if you were searching the law out and you're looking at the law from a pure heart, you would have seen Jesus. You wouldn't have rejected Jesus. That's why he says in the parable, they don't want my message and I'm going to hide the kingdom from them. But if you're searching after God, hear me out. If you search after the heart of God, you would see Jesus. Because he said, if you were studying the scriptures properly and you were truly children of Abraham and children of Moses, you would have seen me because they wrote about me. Come on, somebody. It's not just about helping someone. We must help. We you don't get any rewards for helping something. Imagine someone say, oh, look, I helped that bloke. And? You don't get a reward for doing what you should be doing. Look at me, God. The Good Samaritan is a picture of Christ here. It's a picture of people that have wandered away from the promised land or wandered away from God's presence. And they got beaten up. And you know what? The priest looks at you. I'm not, I'm not getting involved, you know. He's judged him. The law judges. The religion judges. But a good Samaritan, the, the grace of God does not judge. He comes and he wounds you. He carries you. And then what he does, he gives you to the innkeeper. I love this one. When he gives you to the innkeeper, what happened when Jesus died and rose again? 
The Bible says that we were born from above. Who moved into town? Who moved into our hearts? The Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. He came. He gave us to the innkeeper. The Bible says in Corinthians, it says that he left us the Holy Spirit as a deposit or an earnest. It's not the full payment yet. It's an earnest. Now, getting saved and set free and having the Holy Spirit in you is pretty good, eh? But starting to deposit. There's more, God. Yep, there's more. I've put a deposit here because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I return, I'm taking you with me. When you put a deposit on the house, no one can take it off you, but you still don't own it. You put a deposit, they can't sell it on you. They, they, no one can take it off you. It's yours. You put a down payment on it. But guess what? Until you pay it in full, then you can full, you can move in. Well, Jesus put a down payment on us. Listen, this is not our world. Jericho is not our world. Sydney is not our world. But he says to occupy till I come. He says, wait, Thomas, I'm going and I'm going to prepare a place for you. But what, until I come back, occupy till I come. See, we are the good Samaritans because Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're the ones bandaging people. We're the ones putting oil. Oil represents what? The Holy Spirit. Wine represents what? The blood of Jesus. Bandaging. He heals our diseases and he sets us free. He carries our burdens. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. I'm going to leave you with the innkeeper, the Holy Spirit. He's going to be left with you. He says, and whatever I owe you, when I return, I'll pay it in full. Look up when our salvation is full. Jesus returns, amen. Come on, everyone. Is that making any sense? So when you look at that parable now, is it just about doing good deeds for someone? Or is it about someone who's gone out of his way from heaven? He says to Zacchaeus here in, in, on the road to Jericho, he goes into Zacchaeus' house, he says, for this reason, the Son of Man has come to seek and save those which are lost. You know, I often said this, what did we say this the other day? I was, you don't know you're lost until you're found. That's my favorite line because I didn't know I was lost till I was found. I didn't know how good life would be with Jesus because when I was living without him, I didn't know any better. But when I see him face to face, I bore cheek to cheek. When his word speaks to me, when the treasures of the kingdom are hidden for me, he's not hiding. I want to encourage someone here today. He's not hiding things from you. He's hiding it for you at the right time. Imagine if God just poured everything to you day one. I thank God God never answered all my prayers when I first got saved. I, my list was this big, <laughs> wide. I knew how I was going to do it. I should be in America, Africa, Lebanon, and Paramount all at the same time. That's my prayer list. He's going, I'm God, but I, I don't know about what you're going to do, Tony. I wanted this, I wanted that, I wanted that. I thank God God is a loving Father. He doesn't answer stupid prayers. I thank God for his mercy and grace. I thank God for his rebuke. I thank God for his discipline. And I thank God for his faithfulness because when I fell or when I fall or when I do something wrong, he's always faithful. He always picks me up. He always bandages me. He always pours oil on me and re-anoints me. He always puts the blood of Jesus to wash me. He always carries me on his burden. And he always says to the Holy Spirit and says, go on, and whatever's left over, I'll pay it in full. That's the God we serve, amen? That's the God we serve. You know, you can have so many things in your life that you want to do for God. And doing good things for God is awesome. But I think the greatest question is this. 
Do you really love the Lord your God with all your heart? With all your mind? Or do you go down to Jericho, back to the wall, to see what this wall's giving you? And you get beaten up, alive but half dead. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting here. If you go through Matthew, it talks about him going through Jericho, healing another two blind men. One of them is this guy and the other guy. And it's understanding that, understand something. Listen to me. The, the big, I'm going to share this with you. The biggest problem we have when we come out of a, if you've come out of a traditional church or come out of a traditional background, the hardest thing is to shake that off to get a revelation of his word. Because you know what happens? A lot of the times we become religious in the new word. We put on the new Pharisee hat and the new judgment. And why don't they? And, and, and we say we're Christians, but we never forgive. And we walk around offended because I never got what I wanted. But, but, but we have Jesus. Like, like Jesus is my Lord. I'm saved by grace and not by works. And it's the blood of Jesus and this and that. And we act like them that we were before. And Jesus is saying, but hang on, I pulled you out of that darkness. Let me do a work in your heart. But now we, we go from self-righteousness or self-pity to self-righteousness. We go from not learning here to not learning here. Because he says here, they had an ear, but they didn't want to listen. We spoke to them, but they didn't want to receive our word. They weren't willing to give God what he, you know, when we say honor the father in heaven, he says, honor your father and mother. He says, honor your father and mother. Then it also says, do not call anyone father and mother. We only have one father in heaven. Okay, Lord, are you schizophrenic here? Honor your mother and father is in the Ten Commandments. He says, honor your mother and father. And then he says, do not call anyone father. What's he saying to us? We must honor our mother and father. When I'm under my dad's roof, when I was a kid, I had to honor him and obey him. When I got married, I left my mother and father and became one with my wife. I still honor him, but I don't no longer have to obey him. When he says, now, honor, the, and you got one father in heaven, he says, do not call anyone creator, the one that's birthed everything into existence, the father that birthed everything out of his mouth. There's no other creator but God the Father. Does that make sense? That people twist scripture. They'll say, I don't have to honor my mother and father. No, you honor them to the day you die. And long life will I satisfy you. But now, honor is different when you're married and you're an adult than when you're under their roof. So I don't want all these young guys now to go home and say, the preacher said, don't have to honor my parents. I'm going out to a nightclub. Uh -uh, you're going to hell. No, you're not. You're not going to hell. But see, if I can't honor my mother and father or honor one another, how do I honor God or I can't even see? And you pretend you love God and you honor God. Remember he says, how do you say you love God, but you hate your brother? You can see your brother and you hate him, but you say you love God and you can't see him. That applies to everything in life. But when I honor my God, guess what? Whatever I honor, whatever I worship, I'll become. I'll be just like him. And you know what? He hasn't left us as an orphan. Not only has he bandaged us up, so we've got to get out of this victim place where we always need something. We always need a bandage and we always need some oil and we always need a little a cuddle. And we always, all right, you need a cuddle, we'll give you a cuddle. You need a hug, we'll give you a hug. But are you going to live there? Because my hug will 
satisfying for two seconds. But the hug from Jesus was eternal. When the good Samaritan came along, this man that was dead, half dead, naked, no help. We don't know. He cried out to the priest and said, help me. Well, we don't know if he cried out, I've given to the temple. We don't know. But all we know is he didn't ask a question. He came and picked him up and set him free. See, the Good Samaritan story has got less to do with a, doing a good deed, more to receiving what Jesus Christ has done for us. What Jesus Christ has done for us. Because what he, he does for us, no man can undo. You see, Jericho is a type and shadow of leaving the promised land into the world. The world's going to entice you out there. Every day there's a new thing. Every day there's a new fear. Now there's a new thing come along of a monkey's flying, um, apparently, and you break out in scabs, and I don't know. I went to school for a heap of monkeys. No one flies, I'll tell you now. I was the biggest monkey. And a new fear coming along. Oh, well, yeah, and all these things in the world. And I say, you know what? But to have a better life, you know, have this phone and get this dress and get this suit and get these joggers and, and the world entices you. You might be thinking, that doesn't make sense, but it does because once we can take our eyes off Jesus and his presence, we're walking into a world and guess what? There's nothing but thieves. They're going to bash you up and leave you half dead. This world has nothing to offer. If you don't know it now, you're going to know it sooner or later. Young people, old people, good-looking people, ugly people, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. If I was had time, I'd break that down. The oil represents the anointing. We can go into speaking in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. We can talk about fasting. We can talk. All these things don't give you more. They just give you a place in Him. See, I want, to, I want more of Him. I might have to put some things to bed in my life. I might have to shut some things down so I can hear him. I'm not hearing him. Okay, so what are we doing different today than you didn't do yesterday? How much of him do you want? How much of him do you want him to give you? He's not holding from you, especially if you're his children. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's not holding, he's not withholding from you. He wants to give you the, the keys to the kingdom. He wants to give you the mysteries of the kingdom. But are you willing to receive it? Are we willing to sit with him? Just be quiet and say, be still and know that he is God. To be still and know, I'm not, you know what, I want to do nothing. I just, I just want to sit in your presence, Lord. The Bible says that, he says that he gave him to the innkeeper. And the innkeeper, he says to him, there was two, uh, it was two denaries, yeah? Two silver coins. Towards the end there. I think verse 36. On the next day when he departed, took the two denaries. The two denaries, it was two silver coins. Two silver speaks of redemption. Gold speaks of divinity in the Bible. When you see gold, Gold cannot be um, wango moldy, moths can't eat it. Gold represents divinity. Silver represents kingship. It speaks of redemption, speaks of grace. And gave them to the innkeeper, two denarius. He showed us grace. How did he receive the Holy Spirit? By grace, through faith. What was the grace given to us through Jesus Christ? He died on the cross for us. The Bible says the person of grace appeared. 
we received Jesus Christ by the blood and sacrifice on the cross. Then we had the ability to be born from above. And then Pentecost came and he baptized us into the Holy Spirit. He gave us to the innkeeper, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. He says, now take care of them. And whatever is spent, I'll come again and I'll repay you. Right now we have the Holy Spirit in us. Can we stand? I want to stand and pray for some people. The Holy Spirit in you is the innkeeper. The Bible says at the cross we were healed. We've been forgiven. By his stripes we are healed. The Bible says that he, he, he bandages up all our wounds. The Bible says that he took our sin and nulled it to the cross. His blood, the wine, represents the washing, the remission of sin. The oil represents the anointing. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The innkeeper is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says to him, I'm paying you the grace that I bestowed upon you. By this grace, I give you the Holy Spirit that lives within you. And now I'm going to pay it in full when I come. He's speaking about the second coming. Right now, we're living in a body that can perish. We live in a body that can't be hurt. But when Jesus returns, come on somebody, when Jesus returns, Jesus is coming back for a, a body, a bride, and he'll give us a new body and he'll pay it in full. But are you looking towards Jesus? Is that what you're hoping for? Where is your life today? If you were to be honest and look at yourself in the mirror, is your life reflecting the life of Christ? You could say, well, no one, that's true. No one can reflect Jesus. But are you living a life that Christ has given you in any honor to him? Are we living, heading towards Jericho? Have we been promised something that's a lie? And the Holy Spirit inside you wants to teach you. See, sometimes I say, well, this person did this and this person did that. And often my first reaction is, there's got to be a reason why they're doing that. Yeah, they're rebellious. Yeah, they're sinners. We all, but I would say, what is in their heart that's missing that's causing them to do that? Why is it that they can't break through? What is lacking in their life? Are they lacking oil? Are they lacking bandages? Are they lacking the revelation of the, the wine? Are they lacking to understand the Holy Spirit inside them? What is it they're lacking? See, our job isn't to judge that person like the, the, like the priest or the, the lawyer and walk past them. Our job is to say, Lord, what is it that they need from you that we can give them? See, you are in a sense are the good Samaritans on this earth. You're the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. You have the great Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. There's a broken world out there. And we can point, pinpoint every wrong action they're doing. But are we willing to stand first and say, you know what? I'm willing to get out of the way and go through Jericho like Jesus did. And, hide, and heal the blind man. And go down and see Zacchaeus, the thief, the crook. They all, well, look at him. He's going to eat with sinners. That guy's a crook. Why is he a crook? He was a Jew collecting taxes for Rome. And he was making a commission. So he's ripping off his own brothers and sisters. And Jesus says, I'm going to eat with you. He says, but it's for this reason I came, to seek and save that which is lost. And everyone in this room today, Jesus stepped out of heaven to touch your life. Stop walking away from the promised land. Stop going down to Jericho and start walking to him. Let the Holy Spirit in you teach you. If you want to change, 
You can never change yourself. But if you want to change, that's the only thing the Holy Spirit needs. He needs faith that you'll want to change and God will change you. But if you don't want to change and you want to go back to the past or you're looking for something else on the other side, you're pushing him away. I love Zacchaeus. He says, I'll give it all back. Whatever, I'll take it. I'll give it back. I love the blind man. He says, what do you want? He him, Stop talking. Leave the teacher alone. He says, what do you want? I want my sight. Because it's yours. And Jesus was going through Jericho. Don't ever get to the point where your heart is hardened because you think you know more than someone else. Well, don't become like a Pharisee. Don't become like the priest or the Levite. But always keep your heart pure because the Holy Spirit, the innkeeper, is living on the inside of you. Don't shut off what God's trying to do in your life. And I pray that tonight that this parable doesn't just come about, you know that God is trying to bring us a treasure. What is that treasure? It's Jesus. But there's an expectation on your life. Because you know the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. He has no mercy on you. He doesn't care where you've come from. He will beat you and leave you half naked on the side of the road. Religion can't save you. The priest walked past. The Levite came past. The law can't save you. In other words, someone in a religious setting cannot save you. Or someone standing in the gap for you cannot save you. The only one that can save you is Jesus. The only one that can bandage your wounds is Jesus. about that for a second God is trying to, to enlarge our understanding in him the Bible says if you seek me you shall find me so the greatest tactic the devil will use is that he'll beat you up and when you get back up, you'll go back to him again because you think God can never forgive you. Because you saw the priest walk past. You saw the teacher of the law walk past. I might as well just go back to my old habits or keep doing the same thing. Or I can't break this cycle. I'm not worthy. Or I'll just put up just to put up so I can just live. And God says, no, 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 no. I have so much more for you. Jesus loves you. He has so much more for you. feel this burden in my heart that we need to go back to our first love we need to go back to that one if you do not know jesus and you have never given your life to jesus this is the hour of your salvation this is the minute don't leave his presence don't leave his presence father i thank you have your way tonight have your way tonight Open their minds to the understanding, to the hope of their calling, Lord. Let their minds be renewed to your spirit. Let their hearts understand and drink of a well that never runs dry. Old things have passed away, Lord, that would we cut off old things. We understand how much the Father loves us. 
Is there someone interceding for us now? Yes, his name is Jesus. Is there someone who's made an offering for us? Yes, his name is Jesus. Is there someone who's anointed us? Yes, his name is Jesus. If you do not know Jesus tonight, and you're living this life where you're walking away from him, and you've gone down those roads which you wish you never did, or you're living a life that you should never live, or maybe you're just holding on to the past and you want to be free, Jesus is here to set you free. Because he carries our burdens. He says, our, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So Father, I thank you tonight. For those who do not know you, first and foremost, the first question is, they ask, how do I get eternal life? Jesus says, believe on me. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, you're a wonderful teacher here tonight. You're bandaging up people's hearts. You're pouring oil over their heads and anointing them. That the wine of your blood, the everlasting covenant flows through their veins. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus says, any man call unto my name, I'll never put away. I'll never put to shame. God will never, God will never reject you. But you've got to make that step to him. Jesus is Lord. He has to be the Lord of our heart. Yes, he's our savior. He saved us from pit of hell. People say, oh, the hell's not real, yeah? Jesus come and died on the cross to save us from that place. He has to be our Lord. He has to be the Lord of our life. So, Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you that you are a God of mercy and a God of love. We honor you, Lord. We worship you as King. We thank you, Father, that anyone that's carrying a burden here tonight, that that can be lifted up, that you would remove that. For the anointing breaks the yoke. Thank you, Lord, today that we would search out your heart and look at the mysteries of the kingdom because everything points to Jesus. Give you praise tonight. I thank you for every person in this room. If you do not know Jesus, I'd love to pray with you. I'm not here to embarrass you, but if you want to know Jesus, if right now, if you were to go outside now, not know if you were to die tonight, where would you end up? And you don't know and secure of your salvation. Today is the day of your salvation. God's knocking on your heart right now. He's coming to you right now. You might be on that road to Jericho beaten up and you're just looking for a savior, a healer. He's here tonight, right now. Lift up your mind up your hearts toward me and call out upon the name of the Lord you shall be saved I give you all the praise Lord I thank you for tonight Lord I ask you I pray for those who are sick at home right now we rebuke the devourer spirit of infirmity right now and come against every sickness and disease in Jesus name thank you Father we worship you Lord Give you all the praise and all the honor. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.